Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Church. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on social media or visit us at harvestak.com. We pray that the message would encourage you and challenge you to grow in your faith with Jesus Christ. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, I see some new faces, so... Uh, if you don't know me, I'm Zach Lell. I'm a deacon here. I've, we have been part of Harvest since a long time. Uh, what, six, six and a half years? Uh, most of the time's flown by. And uh, it's been an awesome journey, if you will. One thing I can say for sure, man, my heart was just about to pop listening to Sarah saying those things in this word over here in the corner about the eyes. I can say with assurance Harvest Church exists, praise God. Harvest Church exists not because we have the best strategies. It's not about strategies. Harvest Church does not exist in this borough because we have the best Facebook page, the best Instagram account, the best TikTok account, the best, it seems like, the best cameras. We don't exist because of that. We exist because I know Harvest Church was founded on biblical principles. Harvest Church was, was founded on the Word of God from Keith and Nola Kerber. And they preached the Word of God unashamedly. They held nothing back. They cut no straws. Keith and Nola preached and gave their heart and soul in pioneering this church. And every time I come to this house, especially 9 a.m. for you early risers, the faithful ones now, early risers, (laughs) there is always women upstairs in a room praying. If you want to know what makes a church effective, it's not having a million YouTube followers. It's the private room of prayer. That is what changes the heart and soul of a man or woman. That is what begins to mold and shape the next generation. I've seen so many posts on Facebook lately where they say, COVID, what can I do? And I thought to myself, my God, you can pray from where you are. God can be reached through prayer. God can be reached through meditation on Scripture. I want to encourage you this morning. He is so close, but a reach. Reach out to Him. Begin to see Him with the Spirit. Begin to see Him with your heart, with the eyes of your heart and the eyes of your understanding. When she gave that word, I was about to pop. Begin to stir yourself in the intimate place with God. And He will keep you. He will keep you. Sarah mentioned about finances. The the Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. But we've not reached out for that. We've not. We have a problem at Harvest Church. I'll tell you this. 
we're about to bust the seams of the children's department. We're going to have to set up tents. I taught the kids. It was either last week or the week before. And we had 11 kids. We might have broke the fire code back there, boys and girls. Okay. <laughs> well, the Holy Spirit fire code. God is in the enlarging business. God will enlarge your heart if you let him. God will enlarge your boundaries. God will pour into you and enlarge you. Now, I'm going to read a scripture in just a few minutes that talks about God feeling things. But do not think for a minute. God will not empty you before he fills you. God wants more of himself in you. Me and my wife moved to Alaska almost, what, nine years ago. And we knew God spoke to us. I wouldn't have moved up here. We had good jobs. She was a nurse. I was an engineer. We had family at arm's reach. Both sides. Doesn't make sense to leave and come in January. Okay? Doesn't make sense to come sometimes in the summer. Okay? Especially this summer. It's not been very warm. <laughs> it's been rainy. But thank God for the rain. But we left everything we had and we moved on one thing. Faith. We moved because I knew with an assurance God would keep his word because he hasn't failed me. And we moved to Alaska in 2012 of January. Got here January the 26th. That weekend, two days later, it was 51 below. Initiation. Welcome to Fairbanks. Okay? And it was so cold, my U-Haul trailer door was frozen shut. And I had to wait three days. It warmed up to 29 below. And then I could get in my U-Haul trailer. Okay? So, God is faithful. But God... During these years, people look for the, the big. They want to see what God's been doing. They ask me a lot of times, what's God did? Not necessarily because they want to know what God's done. They want to know if God's really trustable. They want to know if He can be held accountable to His Word. And they ask me, how's Alaska? Alaska has its trials. And when I survey back the past nine years, one thing I can say with an assurance is that God in my family has produced fruit. God has produced the fruit of the Spirit out of me and my wife and my kids. I now came with one child. We're bumping on five. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) January. Okay. Fruit. God, I believe, is the desire of God's heart. It's not for the biggest and best and glorious ministry. God could strip me of all ministry. I don't care about that. My desire, personally, is to know Him. Is to understand Him. Is to see Him with my eyes. The eyes of my heart. I, I said this this morning. I get more joy... By lacing up my boots and walking in the woods and having a conversation with God. Nothing can replace that. 
Because there's something about being able to find him alone that nobody can take it away. Because if you can find him alone, you can keep him in a crowd. Remember that. If you find him in a crowd, you're seldom to keep him alone. Mm. If you can find him alone, you'll keep him in a crowd. When God brings the crowd, you'll keep him because you found him alone. He found you alone. And so nine years, what does it look like? More winter than summer. That's what it's looked like. (laughs) That's okay. I'm turning into an Alaskan, I guess. (laughs) I'll still bleed North Carolina. (sighs) What does it look like? It looks like God never failing us, even when it appears that it's the most like God would take us right to the edge of things failing, but not fail. (laughs) Because his strength is made perfect in weakness. He desires in us coming to an end of ourself so that he gets the glory. Yes. Hallelujah. That was not in my message. That was all free, a testimony. So this nine years, I know God has produced love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you ask my wife, she might say otherwise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She'll say, joy, what? Peace, huh? No, seriously. I mean it. It's one thing for me to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. It's another thing to be able to impart it to the next generation. It's not easy. It costs. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. The measure, I measure success in life. (laughs) by How much my five children... Will run with God. Will they be able to run with God. When I'm not around. Amen. Will they be able to take him. To the lost generation. In the midst of COVID. I've not even mentioned the scripture yet. Let me read one scripture. I want to keep this biblical. Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you. Testament of David's heart. I couldn't imagine the responsibility this man had. To go from shepherd to king. Be careful who we point our fingers at. Unless you walk a mile in their shoes. I can't imagine the responsibility. I have four kids going on five. But to run a whole entire kingdom. And the responsibility. And the temptations. And the thing hitting the trials. That this man had to go through. The persecutions. The accusations. Wasn't perfect. But he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who sought God. Now what does that mean? It wasn't a man without sin. But he was a repentant man. A man that remained humble. No matter the trials and the tests that came against him. His heart remained pure before God. And he had this testimony. What a great testimony. Who have I in heaven but you? Period. That's the testimony that needs to be of Harvest Church. Who have we but the hand of God? 
Who do we have in this church but the hand of God? I'm thankful for every ministry. But the fruitfulness of the ministry is that God's hand is in it and not mine. God used my hand in this ministry. (laughs) Oh, God. God used me in a greater measure to reach those around me. God used me. Who have I in heaven but you, O God? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. Careful if we claim that scripture. Careful. Because I think there's lots of desires in our heart. I think there's many desires in our heart. And God, through His loving mercy, doesn't condemn us in them. But has us walk the pilgrim's progress. And He begins to cultivate us. He begins to till the soil. He takes out that which is stoning. He puts in the flesh. He takes out those desires that are contrary to Him. He puts in those desires that please Him. Amen? My flesh and my heart fail. I don't know if you've ever been there. My heart and my flesh fail. There have been some days where I just said, I'm done. (laughs) You guys are the Energizer bunnies. Y'all don't ever have those days. I understand that. (laughs) The ground's been white for six months. The kids aren't exactly very biblical that day. (laughs) Homeschool's going long. In fact, it might have been a failure that day. Might not even have happened. It snowed two feet the night prior. And yet I get up and I say, Lord, I can't do it. My flesh fails. And my heart fails. But where a heart fails, God's heart doesn't fail. (laughs) When my heart fails, yes, doesn't. And it's in those moments that I believe this with all my heart. I believe it. Hear me, please. I believe God steps back. I believe He does. What do you mean by that? I believe in those hardest, most trying moments of your life. When all your strength seems to leave, God steps back. And he sees if you will but grope after him. Go after him. Will you trust his name? Or will we go on in our own eloquence and ability? God steps back for a small season. Might be a few minutes. It might be for a day. And sees, will I but reach out and grab him and trust his name? And when we do... Power comes, anointing comes, and the ability to walk up to somebody and say, God loves you in the name of Jesus with power, and it make an impact in their lives. God never abandons us. He did not send his world son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. That is God's heart. Not to condemn us, not to abandon us, but sometimes he may let the leash go a little long. Amen. He may let the leash go just a little bit long. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. 
You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. It is good for you to draw near to God. It is good for you to draw near to God. It is good for us to draw near to God during this time of COVID. Where it seems like the attacks have pulled us apart. Maybe a pulling apart is a time for us to individually draw nearer to who He is. Because we can be closer to God in the midst of COVID than without COVID. Closeness to God is to meet Him in His Scripture. Meet Him according to His Word. Now I need to give you a title for today. It's already been 25 minutes and no title. Standing on the realities of Christ. Standing on the realities of Christ. And one reality is this. God's Word can be trusted. God's Word is without fail. God's Word can be stood upon. When your heart fails, and at times in life it will seem like it did. God's Word did not fail. One way that I know God's Word doesn't fail, my father-in-law reminds me often. <laughs> Love that man. He said, Zach, if God can use Balaam's donkey, he can use you. <laughs> and if he's listening, he just laughed. Okay? He's told me that many times, and I thought to myself, whew, I don't have to be any smarter than a donkey, and I can be of some value. <laughs> Amen? That is God's heart. God wants us to trust Him with every fiber of our being. And He won't leave us unequipped. He will equip you for the work God has called you to do. That does not mean fivefold ministry. Does not mean that you have to be a pastor, evangelist, pastor, pastor, evangelist, teacher, prophet. Does not mean you're called to the fivefold ministry. But we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. We're all called to be salt and light in this earth. We're all called to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. Number two, if you're married, you're called to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And number three, my calling is to leave the next generation with a greater godliness than mine. To impart into them so that they serve God with all their zeal. Flip to Ephesians 4 with me. Ephesians 4 verse 9. Got it here. This is what I was saying in this here. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? That he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also... He is also the one who ascended far above all heavens. That he might fill all things. God wants to fill us. He wants to fill all things. God wants to fill you. He himself gave some to be apostles... Prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Fivefold. For the equipping of the saints. Say that. Equipping of the saints. 
God will not leave you unequipped. In fact, we couldn't go on unequipped. There's no way. We wouldn't make it. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Now, I said this in the early service. Don't check out. You say, "Woo, not part of the fivefold ministry. I can put this one on hold here. No, 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 no. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith. Like Nathan spoke on last week about unity. There is no island in the body of Christ. Harvest Church is connected to many ministries for accountability purposes. I said this at the early service. Every man should be accountable to another man. For the sake of his life, for the sake of ministry. Every woman should be accountable to another woman. I've seen great men of God have great ministries because of their accountability. I know of a great man of God that would travel to other nations and take another man with him. Just the only job he had was to keep him accountable. To watch his manner of life. To be the fly on his shoulder. To keep him accountable. Because God sees in secret. He will reward you openly. We need the power of God and it comes through that accountability. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To the perfect man. To the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer... Be children tossed to and fro, carried about by the trickery of men. In cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That, that's, that scripture's in there, guys. But speaking the truth in love. Despite the lies, despite the trickery. We are called to speak truth in love. We are called to be His love in the earth. We are called to speak His truth even to those who despitefully plot against us. You know what will change your heart to those who deceitfully plot against us? Begin to meditate on their souls. Begin to meditate on the condition of their heart. Where they are and where they're going. Our wrestle is not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. The rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in high places. I think Gary Crow mentioned that scripture when he was here just a few weeks ago. I'm not fighting my brother and sister. I'm not fighting man. I'm fighting the God of this world who has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. It's almost like they've been handkerchiefed. Or they may have pulled their COVID mask a little too high. Whichever. Sorry. <laughs> they didn't cover their nose. They went ahead and covered their eyes. Oh, better not. <laughs> but it says this. Speak the truth in love. That you may grow up in all things into him. Your growing isn't an isolated thing. Your growing isn't in vain. We are growing up into Him. Into the image of Christ. Everything we go through is a 
chance, an opportunity for us to choose to serve Him. I can't stand here and tell you that I understand everything that has come in my route. I can't. But I can tell you this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still to be found in the morning and the evening. I can still call upon Him and He hears my cry. (laughs) When I was single, God did great things. Just It seems like my time now is more consumed. (laughs) The children are a blessing of the Lord. Okay? (laughs) And I love them. But when I was single... Without fail, I would endeavor, hear my heart, please, not in a prideful way. I would endeavor to get up every morning and spend at least 30 to 45 minutes on my knees. No interruptions. Endeavor to do that. Was I perfect? No. Was the grace of God upon me to do it? Yes. We need His grace to even, it seems like these days, to brush our teeth. We need His mercy and grace. We need it. And we have it. We have it through the Lord Jesus Christ. But I would spend those time with Him. And you come away. You you come away from those moments with this sense of eternity. With this sense of the unseen realm. I told my kids many times. Well, I was walking in the woods with Joanna a few months ago. And the wind was blowing. We were going down the mountain to a fire line where the forest service had cut wood. And there's a lot of uh, black spruce logs that are available halfway down the mountain. And most people would say, you're crazy. I ain't carrying a log. Logs weigh 20, 30 pounds. That's my wife. She carried many on her back. And we carried, we, we, we set out, we said we'll carry uh, two a day. I'll go down with each other. We'll go down. We'll, t- we'll get a log halfway down the mountain. We'll come up. We'll throw it in the woodshed. We'll go back down. Grab a log. Throw it in the woodshed. My log that I carried was not as heavy as Christ's. What I bore on my back up that mountain comes nothing to what he bore. Christ bore the sin of mankind. So that I could walk down that mountain with joy. Even though there's thorns and things around. I can praise my Redeemer for I know He lives. And we would walk down that mountain. I took Joanna one day. And the wind was blowing through some leaves up on the birch trees. And I said, Joanna, look. She said, what do you, what do you hear? She said, wind. I said, can you see it? She said, No. I said, the same thing as the Spirit of God. You can't see where it comes or where it goes. But it's that real. You can touch it. Times where the Christian walk has to be modeled. Again, just be just reading from a children's book. They need to see it in action. They need to feel it. They need to touch it. The Bible says to heed His Word. What that means is to touch at Him. To reach for who He is. To grab a hold of Him and to fill Him. Can He become so real to us that we feel His presence? We feel it every morning when we come, don't we? And I'm thankful for that. 
And it's those moments that I know it makes an impression on her six-year-old heart. (laughs) That I know one day she'll walk with God. She'll be a woman of God. God can be trusted. Remember when my daddy said the wind was like the Spirit of God? John 3. He can be felt. You don't know where he's coming. But yet he saw me and redeemed me. That's the love of God. Totally different message from this morning. Nathan, you pulled it out. Thank you for that worship. Mm. That's the heart of God. God will never leave us unequipped. He says for the equipping of the saints. That equipping means completely furnished. When I got saved and I had my own apartment, (laughs) I was a poor boy. I didn't have any furniture for about a year. When people came over, guess where they sat? On the wall. They sat on the floor and leaned up against the wall. (laughs) Until my dad bought me this checkered couch. It was like this red, you can imagine this red, those red, uh, what do you call them? What kind of shirts? What's that? Flannel. Yeah, it's red. It looks like a checkered board. Boy, that couch, you would sit on it, it'd spit you out. It was so hard. (laughs) But I had a couch. I had somewhere for people to sit. And people came over. And they would sit on the couch. (laughs) And we enjoyed each other's fellowships. But that's the way God is. He furnishes us. God will equip us for every work. If you're here and you're a mother, God will equip you. If you're here and you're a father, and I have to pull on this, God will equip me. If you're here and you are a husband, God will equip you. Just listen to your wife more. Okay. (laughs) If you're here and you're a wife, a spouse, God will equip you for that. God will not leave you abandoned in it. He will furnish you. Mm. Christy, God will equip you for the ministry of children's department. As the children's department grows, so does responsibility. God won't bring more than you can handle. And when He does, He'll equip you for that. I encourage you, Christy, keep your eyes on Christ. And when we need help, we're here to give it. Amen? That's the body of Christ. That's unity. But the Bible says here that we are to give heed to this. We are to give heed. Hebrews 2.1 says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest they drift away. We must give heed to these things. I used this analogy this morning. Of when, we, when I was young and we would inner tube in the river. We would have these inner tubes and we, we lived right near a river. And we would spend time in that river. I mean, w- nice, cool, refreshing river. But in many parts of the river was stagnant. Some were fast. It depended on the rapids of the river. And we would inner tube. Anybody know what inner tubing is? That's fun, isn't it? Just can't do it in Alaska. You freeze. 
<laughs> and we would get on those inner tubes, and I tell you, there would be times when we would distance ourselves away from Dad a good 50, 100 feet, maybe 25 yards, 50 yards. And that was a scary thing as an 8-year-old. You just saw your life coming to an end in those fast rapids. But, man, you enjoyed it. But what he did was is he tethered us to him. He tethered us to who he was. He tethered us to his strength. He tethered us to his ability. He tethered us to who he was and his maturity and who he was. Not our immaturity and our frailty at eight years old. He tethered us so that when the distance got a little long, he would pull us back. God says if we take heed according to his word, even though at times in life when life comes, and it feels as though you've been drifting, I will tether myself to you according to my love and draw you back. Do you hear that? God will pull you back with the tether of his love. He will keep you. Keep him in the midst of your heart. Keep him in the midst of your heart. God, I beg of you, keep him right in the center plate of your heart. Don't be moved by everything that you see. Word of wisdom. Spend less time on social media and a few more minutes in the Bible. And I'll speak from my preference. This is me. The Bible says the trickery of the enemy. Or trickery of men. Of course, they're being used by the enemy. They've been taken captive against their will. It's not God's will that any perish. But that all be saved. So in the original design of God's heart... The will of man was to serve him. The will of man was to be surrendered to him and spend eternity with him in heaven. But the trickery of men is that they've been tricked themselves. Their wills have been taken hostage against the will that God created them to serve him in. And this trickery, one of the tricks, I thank God for the written word. There's something in a human brain. Listen to me for a minute. I use my app on my phone occasionally. I'm going to step on some toes. But there is something geared in a human brain. Phones bring a lot of temptations with them. Phones bring unneeded temptations. When my phone, when my brain thinks of my phone, it thinks this. Oh, Bible app. Hmm. Internet. Hmm. Pics. It thinks of everything under the sun. There's many temptations. But when I pick up my Bible in the written word of God, my mind says, God. Time to spend time with just Him. That's the written Word of God, and I'm thankful for it. 
We must not fall for the tricks of the enemy. Billy Graham once said in an interview, and I agree with him, he believed one of the tricks of the enemy was Bibles with small print. (laughs) Think about it. You can't really see it. The Bible says to put the Word of God before your eyes. Let me see the words. Let me see what it says. Let me meditate upon that. And I heard that and I thought, man, I need to get a 15-point font Bible. <laughs> you know, when you're young and zealous, man, you'll do anything to get closer to God. You go out and look for the extra large print Bible and you say, this is going to be God. God doesn't consider those things in vain. What God's doing, you wouldn't even have a desire to buy a Bible if it wasn't for Him. Amen. Turn to Proverbs 4 real quick. And this goes a lot in hand with what the Word was spoken this morning. Proverbs 4. And the Word was this. To keep our eyes on Christ. To keep our eyes on Christ. Proverbs 4, verse 20. And I want to read this. My son, my daughter. It means mankind. It means human beings. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes at all cost. Keep the Bible and Scripture before your eyes. Because before you know it, you'll be looking at something else. Before you know it, your eyes will be gazed upon something else. Keep the words of Christ on the forefront of the eyes of your heart. Keep them in the midst of your heart. That means put the Word of God in the deepest places of the chamber of your heart. Keep them as the center plate, the very middle of your heart. Center plate. For they are health to all their flesh. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. I don't have to say anything about that. Y'all know about that. Seems as if springs of life come because of the heart condition. God desires to have every bit of our heart. But it says, my son, give attention. What that really means in the Greek is, where it is ascribed to the ear, the original idea is considered that of sharpening. It means to prick the ears. Just like you would prick your finger with, for blood. It means God wants to prick our ears. And it causes, when you prick, it causes just a little bit of that sting, doesn't it? When you have yourself pricked. At times in my life, I need to be pricked. My ears may be listening to something I don't need to listen to. My eyes may be moving away from the Word. God wants to prick me. God wants me to keep my attention. And my dad was here a week and a half, a week, two weeks ago. And he is a Vietnam veteran, Marine Corps, in the 60s. And he fought in the Vietnam War. 
And we got to talking about certain things and talking about boot camp when he was at Paris Island. And he said, every morning, well, when he first got there, they had the Reveille play on the hill in a distance. 4.55 a.m. Reveille play. Boom. He said, you got five minutes. You got to get out of the bed. Your bed's got to be completely made. It's got to be able to flip a coin on it. It's got to bounce up six inches. It's got to, you got to have your boots. You got to be standing out of detention. And if not, you're in trouble. Bad trouble. But <laughs> I thought to myself, huh? Attention. That is the sense of urgency. Can you play this for me real quick? I want you to listen to this. (laughs) What does it mean for God to call us to attention? God calls upon our hearts. And he says, son, attention. That route may not be the best. Attention. My dad said, you may not have heard it the first day. You were disciplined for that. But by the second day, that reveille was so loud, you were out of attention in five minutes. That's the same attention God wants us to give to his scripture. He wants us to be attentive to his words and let not them drift away from our eyes. And I know in Harvest Church, as long as I'm here and Nathan and Maxie and Christy and all the members of this church and the the leadership, Harvest Church will be a church that will not let the words of God depart. We will not preach any other gospel but Christ or let them be accursed. That's what the scripture says. Any other gospel is accursed. But Harvest Church will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. To see men converted. To see the hearts and souls of men and women come to Christ. That is the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And God did not send Him into the world to condemn it but that the world through Him might be saved. If you've called on the name of the Lord and you've been serving Him any length of time, God says no condemnation. No condemnation in Christ Jesus. If we've missed the mark, what do we do? We make it right according to 1 John 1.9. If I confess my sins, He, He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. My forgiveness is based upon Him. All I have to do is come. Praise God. But God wants us to be very attentive. He wants our attention. Now, I want to read something real quick. I read it at the early service. And I think the eyes of our heart are tethered to the condition. The eyes of our, of our mind here are tethered to the condition of our heart. Now, hear that. Things in life just come. 
They had an earthquake this morning in North Carolina. The largest earthquake, a 5.1 earthquake, largest one in 96 years, two miles southeast of Sparta. All Facebook was blowed up, you know, from all my friends. But what I'm saying is, God is getting our attention. The signs and the times, birth pains. My wife's three or four months pregnant. As we get closer to birth, there's those birth pains. You begin to feel them. I'm not picking days. What I'm saying is, be ready for Christ's return. Be ready every day so that if I was to lay my head down and not wake, I'm going to God. I'm going to Him. I'm going to spend eternity with Him. But the eyes of the mind are tethered to the heart. That's why I say... Be intimately acquainted with your heart. Understand it. Understand why it's up, why it's down. Understand the pull on your heart. Acquaint yourself with the heart of Christ, but with also your heart. Begin to understand your heart. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, Spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do indeed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. God wants our hearts to be a permanent residency of Christ. Don't ever evict the Son. God wants our hearts, and I know I'm preaching to people whose hearts are permanent residencies for Christ. That's our heart. But the scriptures do not haphazardly take root or root in one's heart. They dwell in a person's heart at will. Meaning this. One has to carefully and willfully put them there. I wasn't born saved. But God saved me and I'm able through his grace to put the scripture into my heart. And I want to read this. Be intimately acquainted with yourself. And you will better know Satan's strategy and design against you. He takes his method of tempting from the inclination of the heart he finds there. As a general walks about the city and he views it well, then he directs his assault where he has the greatest advantage. So Satan surrounds and considers the Christian in every part before he tempts. By this time, you should be well acquainted with Satan's temptations against your heart. No doubt, he's often peddled them at your door, for he delights to gain a saint as his steady customer. You may be a hard sell, and I pray God you are. But do not think for a moment that Satan will be easily turned away. If you do not like his box of temptations, he will reach into his sack of accusations... The accuser of the brethren has been cast down. Any accusations the enemy has brought against you. Christ, through his death, burial, and most importantly, his resurrection, has cast down the accuser of the brethren. Those accusations that he would bring to your mind and say, Hey, remember this. And I say, whoa, remember what he did. 
Remember what Christ did on my behalf. He shed his blood for me. And I put my faith not in what I can do, not even in my ability to serve him, but the fact that he loved me, died for me, and will keep me. Your faith has to be settled in that, in that love, that he will keep your heart. Nothing else. That is God's way of doing things. But we keep our heart in his hands. And display them. Okay, so he'll reach into his sack of accusations and display them so cleverly that you will think he brings them at God's request. As the Holy Spirit is first a sanctifier and comforter, so Satan is first a tempter and troubler. Joseph's mistress first tried to entice him to gratify her lust. The stream broke, and she took another tack to charge him. And we have already seen that for evidence, she used his own coat to cover her malice. Just so, it is not hard for Satan to find a hole in a saint's coat, even if he walks most circumspectly. When Satan wishes to tempt to sin, he knocks on the door of the will. When he wishes to accuse of sin, he pays a call on the conscience. But he does not have absolute knowledge. Amen? Or power over these. For they are locked to all but God. Satan knows he cannot pick a lock to which God holds the key. Hallelujah. Praise God. God's the greatest locksmith there ever was. Hallelujah. And we ain't talking about a schlag, neither. Schlag locks. Get it? <laughs> Satan knows he cannot pick a lock to which God holds the key. <laughs> this stirs me. God has keys for your kids. Satan ain't going to get them. Amen? Hear me. God has keys for your kids and your life. God has keys for a wife, for a husband. What you're believing for, God has the keys. Satan doesn't. This might be a good place. I feel this. Hmm. Nathan, maybe something soft. Just for a minute. Hear this. For they are all locked but God. Satan knows he cannot pick a lock to which God holds the key. So he thinks up cunning ways to trick the saint into opening the door for him. What recourse does the child of God have? Stay in close fellowship. Stay in close fellowship. <laughs> Stay. 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 Remain. Stay. Just stay. Stay in close fellowship with the Father. Make that your aim. That nothing disrupts the fellowship with the Father. I understand responsibilities. I understand the cares of life. But He is the one who carries us through those things. Amen.
Stay in close fellowship with the Father. Let not the scriptures depart from your eyes. Keep them. Keep God's word deep into the midst of your heart. Remain constant in prayer. Then you will be able to repulse the accusations by the sword of the Spirit. Amen. Praise God. That is God's desire for every Christian. And know this. God holds the keys of life and death. And if you're sitting under the sound of my voice and you've and you're redeemed, you're converted, you've called on the name of the Lord. God just showed you that He's willing to turn His key and open life for you. And He closed the door of death. (laughs) Oh, God. I like that. I need to say that again. God closed the door of death for you with His key. And He opened the door of life. Amen. One more scripture and we'll bring this to a close. Colossians 1, 19. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself. By Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless above reproach in his sight. Hallelujah. I like that. Christ died on his cross so that you could have peace during COVID so that you could be reconciled. Essentially, it's what God said. I wouldn't be complete without you. I reconciled you. I redeemed you. I called you my own. And not only that, I've given you peace in the body of his flesh. And I'm going to present you holy and blameless without reproach. Hallelujah. Kind of don't know what direction to take, but how about let's just spend just a minute in prayer. We'll close our eyes and pray and we'll ask God and then we'll go from there. How's that? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for your word. In the beginning was the word. God, the word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, I thank you that you're with us, you're for us, and that, Lord, you're presenting us blameless, without spot, without wrinkle. Your work in us is that of conformity to Christ. And I thank you that you never leave us, nor do you abandon us. I thank you, Father, for such an awesome group of people to minister the word to today. God, you call upon our conscience. You call upon our hearts with love. 
You draw us to you through your love. And I thank you and I'm grateful for that. And Father, I pray right now. I just hear that word accusations. His sack of accusations. God says blameless. Satan says accuser. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that any accusations, past failures, you would redeem through the blood of your cross even now in the hearts and minds of anyone carrying anything in this house. I thank you, Father, that you are healer. You are restorer. God, you've redeemed us from the curse of the law. You have redeemed us from our failures. And I thank you for that. Now, Father, renew within us a mind and a confession that says, I'm holy. I'm in Christ. I'm yours. Now, Father, as this service comes to a close, I ask, Lord, that you would touch the hearts and minds. And I ask anyone with any specific prayer to come up after dismissal and I'll pray with you. Me and my wife would love to pray with you. And know this, God is for you. God is with us. And we love you, Lord. Stay. Stay in his presence. Father, we'll always be careful to give you the honor and the glory and the thanksgiving and the praise for the opportunity to minister and the opportunity to hear your words. Now we love you, Christ. May you be closer in our vision than when we first came. Lord, we love you and we honor you and we bless you in Jesus' name. God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like, subscribe, and share it out across social media. If you'd like to know more about Harvest Church, you can visit us at harvestak.com. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.